Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We so appreciate your joining us and we know that you're kind of in and out. We're, we're in a series right now. So if we're confusing you, <laughs> you might want to go back and... But I think it flows pretty well so that they can just do each unit. Yeah, I I think so. And, you know, it's an interesting time of year, Linda. School's ending or has ended for most of you families. And the summer's beginning and summer vacation's beginning. And we're we're more time with our kids than probably any other time of the year, which is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse. Well, especially this year. (laughs) We've spent so much time with our kids already. Um, it was such a relief, I'm sure, for many of you to send your kids back to school. And, and don't awesome. you feel this kind of wonderful re-emerging from the pandemic? I was, we were with a friend of ours, a good friend, a longtime New Yorker, just the consummate sort of preeminent New York kind of a guy. And, and I said, do you ever think New York will be the same? I mean, it's been... It, did it lose its vibrancy? It was just shut down for such a long time. And he said the most interesting thing. He said, I think it'll be a renaissance. I think people have been cooped up and not only physically, but creatively and mentally and emotionally for so long. It's just going to flower. It's going to be like the roaring 20s all over again following the last pandemic. And I kind of feel that in general. I, I just... Isn't it great? You just get a joyful feeling when you can go outside without a mask and walk around and hug someone. We have a a study group that we've been meeting with for decades, and we've been doing it on Zoom for over a year, and we finally met in person the other day. And I I don't usually think of myself as, as a hugger. But man, I was hugging. I was hugging guys. I was like, <laughs> I, I want to touch people. Giddy. Yeah, it was so fun. And interestingly, we still had twenty people online because yeah, either well, some of them were long distance, but some of them were not quite ready to do that yet. But it really is a whole new feeling. Luckily, it happened at the same moment as spring and the beginning of summer and all these gorgeous, beautiful green leaves that just does your soul so much good. It's heavenly. Now, let us be really, really candid and personal with you listeners and, and just share some feelings. We're, we're, we're working on this written series that we're publishing first, at least, in Meridian Magazine. And the name of the series is The Parental God. And... I just want to be really clear and candid, Linda, on the fact that we we're not theologians. We're not. We're not. We're certainly not prophets. We're cer- we certainly don't claim to have knowledge beyond what other people have. But we just have this feeling that thinking of God in a parental way impacts our lives so much. I mean. We're we're trying to be better parents. We're trying to have better marriages, and it's so discouraging sometimes, and it's so hard, and we feel so keenly our own failings and our own shortcomings. And there's something just beautifully renewing in thinking that the God we worship is a heavenly Father and a heavenly Mother, and they are so far beyond us that we can't imagine it. But they are a beacon. They are a model. They are a ultimate, eternal 
quest to move gradually and slowly and maybe ahead some days and dropping back and you know it's an uneven graph but trying over time to progress and have the kind of relationships that they do there's just something there's there's something comforting about thinking of them as our parents but also about thinking that this is an eternal quest and we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much for all the failings we have as we gradually get started on this long road you know, it occurs to me that a lot of people are going to be listening who are single parents. Right. So it, it, you think, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, it does. Absolutely. It, you, you even have, more so in a maybe way. Maybe even more so. I think no matter where you are in your parenting, whether you're single or whether you're a, a single parent, or whether you're married and struggling, or whether you are happily married, it, no matter where you are in your parenting, this makes a difference in the way you look at every day. The way you think about prayer, the way you think about the way you're treating your children, or what you need to do with your children. I, it really does make a huge difference. In fact, on the show last week, and many of you listened to, or some of you may want to go back and listen to it, because it sort of set the stage. and. What we were sort of listing, we were reading lists basically of of the benefits or the positive outcomes when you are perceiving this paradigm of a parental God as opposed to just a powerful God or a, a, a sovereign God or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong, Linda, but as far as we can tell, we can't think of any downsides or any negatives to this pondering of God as a parent, as parents. It just leads us in all the right directions. It comforts us. It, it's sort of forgiveness. It forgives us. It cuts us a little slack. It reassures us that, that as, as the ultimate parents, they're not about judging us as much as they are about encouraging and helping and being there for us. And I just think all the outgrowths of it are good. That you can't go wrong on this, even though we uh, <clears throat> openly admit that we really don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going by what we've heard from people who we believe are prophets, and yeah, and from the feelings that we've had in our own hearts. Actually, the research has been done not not certainly not only by us, by so many people, but uh, the the Givens, you know, Fiona and Terrell Givens have done some magnificent work on this and have found some fabulous quotes from Lorenzo Snow, among others, who um, who makes us realize that this has been known for a long time. It's just now starting to come to the surface when we're talking about it more and understanding more. Well, and we mentioned some, some segments from our, our church's uh, essay on heavenly parents, topical gospel topical essays on heavenly parents and heavenly mother. Where did you find that? Including anyone can find it on on LDS dot org. The, Church of Jesus Christ. The, the gospel yeah. topics, including the beautiful statement from Elder Oaks, President Oaks, that our our whole theology begins with heavenly parents. And that is the, 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 that's, that's what everything stems from. And it's the highest aspiration. That's the part I love, his word, that being like them is the highest of all aspirations. And then we also mentioned last week a, a quote from the first presidency of the church, clear back in 1909, that 
the ultimate father and mother are our heavenly parents. And so it's just a powerful thing to think about. And I don't see any down, like I said, I think it's all positive. We want to read you today, I got to give this a little explanation. Think about prose and think about poetry. Prose is the best language to use when you're trying to explain something that you know, <laughs> right? And you're, you're right. trying to put it down, and this is what I know, and here's what I've figured out, and here it is. Poetry sometimes works better for things that you admit you don't know, but you sort of feel them, and you know there's a sense of truth there, and you want others to ponder them, and you want others to be somewhat stimulated to, to see what conclusions they come to for their own lives. So you, in poetry, you're not telling someone what to believe. You're suggesting some things to think about. You know, I before you start, I have to give you a little introduction here because Richard comes from a long line of poets. Um, he ha has things that come to his mind that I don't get because I am not a poet, but... He um, has an aunt. Oh, be careful. You're building me up, no, and I, I don't well, think I'm... Well, they need to know this, but he has an aunt, Mae Swenson, who at the time she lived, uh, she's passed on now, but she was one of the top ten poets in America, had the most amazing <laughs> <Top> mind. <laughs> she made the top ten, top 10. list. <laughs> she but was. she has a fabulous mind, and how this comes out of these people's minds blows me away. And this is a gift. It's really a gift, a gift that you well, have you're, that not many people have. You're kind, but you're my muse, and you are the one, and you are a poet, Linda. You think poetically, and I don't. I think more linear, lineally, but I, but at any rate, I mean, that's neither here. Here's the thing. We are going to read you uh, a poem, which is a work in progress. We're still working on it, but it's called The Parental God, and again, the beauty of poetry in this sense is that we, we think it suggests some feelings or some internal sort of moving and yearning that may assist all of us in coming to our own conclusions, not one collective conclusion, but thinking about yeah, that's God important. as a parent and coming to seeing where it takes you. So let us read it to you a stanza at a time, and we'll pause and comment on it a little. But uh, we hope it'll stimulate some pondering and some thinking in your own mind. And we'll, we've only got four minutes until we take a break, but we'll read part of it, and then we'll come back and continue on. So I'll read the first stanza, and Linda, and we'll, we'll exchange. We'll go back and forth. Parents. What if that one word, so common that we all have and most are, was the key to both here and there? A little commentary on that opening, and then we'll go on. Um, think of the word parents with a capital P and a little S at the end. What if that word, and so common we've all had, but we all have parents, and most are parents, what if that single word was the key to both here and there? So, what if it's first and last letters, the big P and the little S? We capitalize de <clears throat> sorry. We capitalize deity and pluralize parts. Reveals both of them, both of us and them. So, let me let me just say that one more time. It is amazing. 
what if it's first letter and last letters, big P and little s, we capitalize this parentheses, we capitalize deity, deity and pluralize parts, reveals both us and them. So the minute you say parents, you're not only talking about God with the capital P, but about Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother with the S at the end of that word. What if the singular God is the dual them, capital T, and feels more like nurturing family than like gilded king? I like that. Parents, not metaphorical, but material. Not symbolistic, but spiritual. Not lyrical, but literal. One God and two beings. Let's leave it there and come back after a little break. And again, it's not always effective to read poetry because sometimes poetry is meant to be looked at and read and you, you don't see the punctuation and some of the other devices in the poetry. But we think by reading this, it will go a long way toward giving you a sense of what we're thinking about and what we're going to be talking about on Ayers on the Road over the next few weeks. So stay with us. We'll be right back and finish this poem called The Parental God. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back, um, talking about a very serious thing, um, but we um, are excited to be thinking about this with you. Maybe we'll just try to read this, the rest of this poem, uh, in one long swing, and then come back and comment about it at the end. So um, let's begin here. One God and two beings. Catholic doctrine says God is neither man nor woman, he is God. We say God is both man and woman, they are God. Parents, when we become that word, we learn quickly about responsibility, about sacrifice, about love, to see a new kind of beauty and are stunned at how badly we want to give everything to one too tiny to give anything back except love parents they sent us here and gave us their title so we could learn those things feel those things the only way they can be learned and felt so we could begin just begin to love like them to be like them but rather than telling, let's ask, let's think, let's ponder. What if God is who they are? What if parents is who they are? What if they, if we did live with them in the whole backside of eternity and are here to learn to live like them in the forward side? I want to just reread that one because that's the question we're really posing. I'll just read it what Linda just read one more time. What if God is who they are? What if parents is who they are? What if we did live with them in the whole backside of eternity and are here to learn to live like them 
in the forward side. What if their love is so unconditional and so completely joyful that they created a mortality where we could experience their joy along with every other option this spinning, orbiting lab sphere has to offer? They're holding love so big that it could let, it could let us go. What if to us they are awesome not because of our difference but because of our similarity? unspeakably beyond us in degree, but like us in kind, including and except for our one divine brother who is the means that saves us from ourselves. Here we go around the sun 70 or 90 times each turn with 365 spins in something new called time. Some of us who strive for oneness relationships here, me, thee, and we, try to imagine their perfect union there, she, he, and they, all three using the surname of God or Heavenly Father and of the he, she, and they. And what if the he, she, and they is one God? Why does this feel cautiously right? Easy to believe, hard to believe. Why do we seek our parents, look for them in Mother Earth and Father Sky, a sweeping, soaring longing for home? From whence comes this God yearning? From someplace beyond before carried in our spirits, then processed into our two brains. And in this part, you'd have to see the poem because it, it, some of it starts on the left and some starts on the right. And as we read this part, try to imagine in your own mind that there are two ways of knowing God and one may lead us more toward a Heavenly Father and one may lead us more toward a Heavenly Mother. The linguistic, logical, linear left and the instinctive, intuitive, insightful right. But irrespective of which portal of our brain, they are both always there, hearing and feeling together. The left hemisphere, he, words, sanctuaries, linguistic, hierarchical, vertical, the right hemisphere, she, feelings, nature, artistic, embracing, horizontal. We might communicate with him, capital H, with words, and with her, capital H, in feelings, but both would always go to and come back from them with a capital T. What if the most radiant and beautiful her was as common as a nursing mother and as stunning as a glowing galaxy of a single spruce tree. What if it is her we feel when we walk by a stream in spring or watch a moonrise? What if he, even as our minds conjure vindication, justice, and power, trusts us to come around to who he really is, to his love? Why do we call him father rather than king? One, because he asks us to. Two, because he is. 
three because he means they. What if they're so committed to our agency, yet so confident in what their spiritual genetics will ultimately lead us to, that they see past our travail and trouble, and even overlook our confusion about them? For some, lucky enough to love another more than self, the we begins to matter more than the me or the and starts, just barely starts, to faintly resemble their he, she, and they. And we begin to realize that the true power and joy lives fully only in the we and in the they. All that they make is both beautiful and abundant, reflecting themselves, reproducing themselves. They did not make us with their hands or their minds, but begat and grew us from themselves and from the earth's creation. was not mechanical or technological. It was spiritually organic and reproduced all the variableness and diversity of God. So what does it mean? What does it matter? What does it make us? Well, if you plant an unknown seed and it sprouts, there is much you do not know what it will grow into, what fruit it will produce. And there's just one thing you do know, that it was and is a good and viable seed. We've given this idea seed a name, the parental God. And you may not yet know if or into what it will grow, but you do know now or soon that it feels good, that it is real, that you should plant it. Now, I want to congratulate Linda for reading a poem that uh, that she hadn't really read out loud before and doing such a beautiful job. It's a, poetry's hard to, to, like we said earlier, to just read and not see. But what a wonderful thing to ponder, just to think, just to be there, just to try to understand what these things might actually mean. It's just a powerful thing, Linda. and. Uh, I guess we can just free form here for just a few minutes on the show. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question because I have read that, but in reading it, I've, I have I've had some thoughts. So we come who we are, but you're kind of assuming a lot that, uh, that God, the father, is uh, left right brain and the, the mother is left brain. Uh, do you think that's really no? True? In fact, I've got to. Re- that's really a great comment. I, I've got to revise that part of the poem because we believe that both heavenly Father and heavenly Mother are perfect, so they're not limited. They don't have one, you know, one way to perceive things that one has and one that the other has. They're both complete. They're both yeah. perfect. So what I'm trying to suggest there, and I realize I've got to reword the poem to do it. I'm I'm talking about our own selves. Let me see if I can put this into words. We view ourselves, the real self, the real the real you, the real me, is spirit. Is a spirit. We are not to quote the, the the famous little couplet. We are not physical beings who occasionally have a spiritual moment. We are spiritual beings who are now experiencing a physical moment. And, and we give the, 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 the reference for that quote in the article that we're talking about today. But the point is that 
as spirits, we have been given this gift by our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother of a physical body, of a physical life, of, a, of an earth, an orbiting laboratory where we learn, where we have agency, where we have options, where we learn to make our own choices and learn learn to love. That's the main thing. We It's a love school. It's a place God has created for us that has all the elements and freedoms that will allow us to become parents for the first time in eternity. Think about that. If we believe in a pre-mortal life, there were only two parents there. There were God, our Heavenly Mother, and God, our Heavenly Father. We were all children. But we come here in this gift of mortality, and we get to experience for the first time what it's like to be a parent ourselves, And that is, is a love school. That's where we learn to love. Everyone who's become a parent knows what a crash course that is on self-sacrificing responsibility and love. How do we love that little helpless infant who can do nothing for us so much that we would give our life for them? I mean, it's a, it's a powerful kind of love. And so what I've got to re- rephrase that poem to say, it's not that God the Father is left-brained and God the Mother is, is, is right-brained. It's that we, in our physical bodies, these gifts we've been given by God, we have a brain which has two sides, and, and the right hemisphere we know is, is the big picture, the conceptual, the intuitive, the, the, the sensitive, the artistic, and, and that's an oversimplification, but we know the left is linear and linguistic and, and logical and, and detail-oriented, and that's a beautiful gift to have that kind of a dual brain. And what I need to try to suggest in the poem is that we can know God or strive to know God or strive to commune with God through both sides of our brain. And, and you know, we may, we may pray, as we're told in the Old Testament, to Heavenly Father with words, with a prayer, with language. And we may think about him in that logical way. But we may also communicate with God with both Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, through feelings, through Mother Nature, through the earth, through intuitive promptings and yearnings, we're equipped to pursue God in both the logical way and the intuitive feeling way. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation because there's really no way we could know <laughs> exactly um, their personalities or how they communicate. Um, I mean, as a whole, we can, but as individuals, it's that's uh, really thin ice. <laughs> yeah, really thin ice. And again, we're, we're, we we feel like we're out on a limb here, and we we hope none of you, as listeners, are, are sitting there saying, "Well, what are the Iyers doing trying to preach theology to us about a heavenly mother and heavenly father?" We're not. What we're trying to do, you know us. You know that we're all about parenting. We're all about commitments in marriage. We're all about finding the core of life within our familial relationships. And we're just trying to suggest that the best way, the most productive, the most, we think, the most incredible way to to think about God is as parents. And that when we do, it improves us as parents. It improves us as marriage partners. Yeah, definitely. 
and it improves the way we think about each other and what we're about on the earth. And it also certainly helps with the partnership because it's all about partnership and trying to be one if you are married. And if you aren't, if you've had a nasty divorce, it's so comforting to think you have a whole eternity to work this out and right. so that um, you feel as loved and as valued as anyone else. That's where we want to end today, that a lot of us in, in the church and in life in general feel a lot of guilt. We're worried about that we're not doing well enough. Just relax. These are eternal goals. Right. Life is long. Eternity is long. And you're doing great. So we, we glad thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us again next time on Iris on the Road. Bye bye.